right. You having a good day? God is good, isn't He? You know, we want to pray also for our young people coming back from camp. Neam has uh, informed us of just a phenomenal outpouring of the Holy Spirit taking place on our teens. And it's all because they're learning to wait on the Lord. They're learning to just experience His presence, not with a lot of activity, but just learning to hear His voice, learning to wait, learning to just receive from the Lord. How many of you believe God wants to take us to higher levels? Amen. Wants to open our hearts. You know, um, several year, a couple of years ago, when I was in prayer and fasting, the Lord Im- impressed on me that this church would be an open heavens church, and that's why we changed the name. You know, the, the concept of having open heavens is because the heavens are open to his people for the purpose of revelation and for favor. Many of you know we need revelation. We need understanding. And it's, but let me just say this. Open heavens means nothing unless we're also open to what he's going to say. Because it's not enough to have an open heavens without open hearts. So we need an open heart. Amen. And uh, I, I want to talk to you this morning on my series on creating a kingdom culture. How many of you know that the Christian community is a culture within a culture. We're a culture within a culture. In other words, we're to be salt and light, amen, around us. And uh, I want us to open up with a prayer. And the title of my message this morning is When God Shows Up. When He Shows Up, amen. How many of you believe God wants to show up, not just in church? I love what uh, Claire was talking about and the Lord showed up for her on an airplane with a hurt wrist. And she, you know what she was doing is she was speaking to the mountain. Remember, Jesus said, speak to your mountain and it will be moved. Now, it's not that the fact that the mountain was her hand, that's part of her body, but she was speaking to that issue and the Lord was responding. There was a response of faith and guess what? There was authority and that brought release of healing and the flow of the dynamics of the, what the Lord can do because he sees on earth what we agree with what is already the will of the, our Heavenly Father from in heaven. So can we just open up with a word of prayer when God shows up? Father, we thank you. We thank you not just for the Logos, but for the Rhema. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that in this house and throughout many churches across America, Lord, you're bringing an open heavens and a revelation and an understanding and You're putting boldness and courage in the heart of your people. And even though there's opposition and even though there's tests and trials and persecutions and afflictions on all sides and and even though we're walking through certain valleys of the shadow of death, Lord, we realize that you prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And so, Father, I ask you right now that you would just right now just captivate our minds and our attention. We pray you'll be continually with our young people as they're not only being ministered to and receiving, Lord, from this conference, but given mercy and comfort and, and a traveling mercy as they come back this afternoon. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to tell you something. This is, this, I got to take you back to my high school days. This is the first time I had ever seen a miracle uh, from myself. 
There was a good locker partner, a friend of mine. His, his name was Ron Ewers, and um, he was a locker partner, and he was a, he was a, he claimed to be an atheist. And I don't know if it was just him doing that because he knew I was a Christian, but he said, I'm an atheist. And I think sometimes people say that just to shut down the conversation. But we were in the library. We were in our school library, and I was, I mean, I was really turned on to the Lord. The, the Lord was touching me in those years, in my high school years, and I just remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and just saying, yeah, Ray, I want you to, you're salt and light. I want you to look for needs. I want you to realize that there's an empowerment in your life. And you are here to change your culture. You're here to affect the culture around you. But some of us have these lies and we think, well, I can't do that because I might chase people off if I share Jesus to them. They may appear to go when you first share, but you know what? They will come back because they won't forget it. We've got to pull down these petty excuses, amen? I was in the library with my friend. He was sitting across from me, and we were talking. And in the school library, it was supposed to be quiet. We were kind of chatting quietly. And I didn't know this, and he didn't know this, but he had his very first epileptic seizure. Right across, I just saw, he's just sitting right across from me. And his eyeballs, I mean, looked like a shark. His eyeballs started rolling back in his head. And he was sitting in a chair, and he tilted back and fell back on the floor. Right there. And he was just in a grandma seizure, just kind of flopping his arms and legs and just, just out of control. And, and some people, they looked and they gasped. And the Lord just dropped this thought. I was not thinking about the Lord. I was not thinking about God. I wasn't even thinking about prayer. But this word came to me just instantly and said, pray now. Go and pray for him. And I want to tell you, when the word came to me, I honestly resisted it. I honestly just said, oh, God. I mean, what will people think? What will happen? But I got up, went around the table, and I got down on my hands, and I put my hands on his head. I didn't say it out loud, but I whispered this. I said, in Jesus' name, stop it. And you know what happened? He stopped. The librarian comes over and said, what did you do to this guy? I said, I didn't do anything. She thought I did something. She, she didn't know that he had a grandma seizure. Well, later on, in about a week or so, he had another one at home. They took him in, they found out he had an epileptic. But I remember when I prayed over him, it stopped. And uh, it was a phenomenal thing. And I'm, how many of you know sometimes God will work a miracle for you? In fact, I call it an accidental miracle. You begin to stand, you agree on earth what is already heaven. God begins to work for you and you're astonished at what God can actually do through you. That was the first time I'd ever prayed for somebody, someone and I saw something happen like that. Now he, I, I really believe, this is based on scripture here, epileptic, I believe there's a spirit behind it. I did not bind or cast out that spirit because I was not understanding at the time. I was not in knowledge of that. But I believe because there's power in the name, that name submitted when the name was declared. Even though I did it in ignorance without understanding because we're to bind certain spirits and cast them out and we're to declare where they, are, they need to go, go back to the pit. 
Remember, the demons begged Jesus because the demons knew Jesus knew what he would do. He was af- they were afraid that, he would ca- they, that Jesus would take them and cast them out of the country. He says, put us in the pigs. And Jesus gave the demons permission. Do you know that you have the power to give demons permission to do things? You have that authority. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. You need to understand that there's power. Arising and shining for your light and the glory, that means God's presence, the fullness of who he is, has risen upon you. And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. How many of you know there's darkness all around us right now? And deep darkness, it's not talking about the absence of sunlight. Darkness speaks of the absence of revelation or truth. When there's no truth, there's chaos, confusion, and ultimately deception. But the Lord will arise over you. And his glory will be seen upon you. Can you say amen? You see, we've got to begin to live out the revelation of sons and daughters and stop living like paupers and slaves. We need to stop living like we're in spiritual poverty, like I just can't get out of this problem. Do you know that you are full of glory? You are full of the favor of God. You are full of his power in his presence. The devil wants you to stay in the darkness of your own calamity and your own self-pity. By the way, Pity is the devil's playground. He loves people to feel sorry for themselves. But when you begin to rise up and say, back off, Satan. I'm going to arise. I'm going to shine. And Lord, you have given me dominion to subdue and replenish and change my culture. You have that authority. Now, I want you to go back with me to Luke chapter 1. Or Luke chapter, uh, yeah, Luke chapter 1. Matthew 1 and 2, Luke chapter 1 and 2 are usually the two, these are four chapters in the New Testament that deal with the Christmas story. Last week, for review, I talked to you about when God begins to move, three basic things happen in the life of a believer. Remember what those three basic things happen. When God comes, it starts with an interruption. Everyone say interrupt. When God speaks and he begins to come into your life, it's going to interrupt your scheme, your plans, your ideas, because he's bringing an awakening in your life. The second thing is that it also will offend your mind. You know why? Because we put God in our box. We're in our own box. And you find that in the earlier chapter, in the early part of this chapter, they're the two first people that the Holy Spirit, that God sends the angel Gabriel to speak to two. First was Zechariah, then Mary, the mother of Jesus. Both of them, when they encountered the message from the angel, it says they were afraid and they were troubled. Now, God's not trying to scare anybody. He loves you. He cares. How many of you know God loves you? He's not trying to scare. He's not trying to intimidate. He's not trying to threaten you. That's not his purpose. But when God comes to you 
it says they were in fear and they were troubled. And part of the reason they were troubled is because we can get into such a routine of religious oppression where there's no serious breakthrough in our life that we just begin to accept the status quo as normal. How many of you know God never intended for you to just stay normal and ordinary? So he comes to this priest and he comes to a peasant girl and he begins to bring revelation concerning the nations, concerning what he's going to do. A, a priest and a peasant girl. The priesthood was dead. He was married to a woman who was barren, who could not conceive, who could not bear forth. Let me tell you something hermeneutically. It's so important. God will use natural illustrations to help us understand the spiritual conditions of a nation, a city, or even a local church, or even a family. Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife, was barren, and they were, I call them the Abraham and Sarah of the New Testament because she was a woman of covenant, but the Bible says she was righteous, and, and, and they walked in the ways of the Lord, but they were barren. And the reason why there was a barrenness, because there was no spirit, there was no life, they were preaching, they were going through the motions, but there was really no breakthrough, no outpouring, no rain that needed to come upon their life. And when God began to show up, it troubled them. He began to say this in response to all the powerful things that God spoke over Zechariah. He says, there's going to be a birth in your, in your wife's uh, stomach, she's going to get pregnant, and his name is going to be great, and he's going to proclaim salvation and freedom, and the people will rejoice at the birth, and because of the message, this forerunner of Christ will bring to the nation. And Zachariah's response was this, how shall I know this? Anyone who has the right or desire to know it must feel they must control it. Whatever you feel you must know, you will try to control. And that's why God always tries to break us out of things that we cannot know so he can control. Are you willing to let go of what you know so he can control? Let me say that again. Are you willing to let go of what you know so he can control? Because this was outside the realm of his understanding. Because th this was not the norm. I want to tell you something. Do you know that sometimes God will lead you into people's lives. And God will direct your steps that will stretch you. But you know what? There's something, there's something subconsciously that we do. I want to tell you what it is. We are attracted to people that think like us. And we think it's right. That's dangerous. I like this person because they think like me. Let me tell you something. God is a God who will have you live on the edge. Amen? And sometimes God's going to ask you to get out of the boat and walk on water. Sometimes he's going to ask you to cross some red seas when the Egyptians are on your back. 
Sometimes he's going to do like Jehoshaphat one day when he says, I want you to lift your hands and praise me when the Moabites and the Amorites and the Jebusites are surrounding you and give him praise. I mean, I would have said, God, I don't need a praise service right now. I need some weapons. I need some nuclear weapons. I want to nuke these guys. I need some, I need some rational, reasonable, logical understanding of how to defeat this problem. God says, no, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by your knowledge or your control. It's by by my spirit and when you begin to do things in the spirit trusting God you will see your enemy and your Goliath fall before your face because I've got to let go of what I know so he can control and so when God begin to show up you may say well Pastor Ray what does that have to do with kingdom culture has everything to do with it because in the culture we live one of the things that we do in this culture right now is we exalt humanism and we put man and man's knowledge in the center of the universe and we know more than God. And so we have, a, a, we have substituted, not, we've substituted his ways to exalt our ways. That's dangerous. So when God comes on the scene, he begins to speak to Zechariah, he doubts. And what happens when he begins to doubt? The Bible says, the angel says, because of your unbelief, I'm going to shut your mouth. Now, listen to me here. How many of you believe God's good? I've heard preachers say this, God had to shut his mouth because God was punishing him. That was not what God was doing. God was not into punishing Zechariah because he had unbelief. God was shutting his mouth to open his ears. Do you know if God ever shuts a door, it's because he's trying to open your ears to hear something? And guess what? For nine months when his wife was pregnant, and I'll tell you, I'm going to prove it to you. What he was hearing was about the goodness and the blessing of God. Because when John the Baptist was born, they couldn't figure out why you would not want to name that baby after some family name in the Zechariah line. Instead, Elizabeth says his name will not be Zechariah. It's going to be John. It began to bring a confusing puzzling on the whole church. Why do you want to call him John? Amen? How many of you know that we have to surrender our I knows for his understanding so he can begin to take control? I've got to surrender things I do not understand so he can begin to lead me into things that are extraordinary. See, he brings me out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. He brings me from the natural into the spiritual. He begins to move me. And here's the, God was gracious to Zechariah. He didn't shut his mouth for punishment. He didn't shut his mouth because he had to put him on a sabbatical. God shut his mouth to open his eyes. If you feel you're going through a season right now where things aren't working for you, let me tell you, you've got to have ears to hear. It's not that he's shutting you down. He's not punishing you. Has he, put, he hasn't put you on the shelf what he's doing. He's preparing you for pregnancy. He's preparing you to launch you into the promise of something that is going to not just transform you. He was preparing Zachariah, this father, for promotion. Getting him ready. You're the father. 
And this priest who was a dead, preaching, boring, rhetorical, dead preacher turned into be the second, not the first. The first prophet in the New Testament was Mary, the mother of Jesus. When she went and prophesied over Elizabeth, when she was pregnant, the Bible says that when she came into the room, she began to speak. And when Mary began to speak to Elizabeth, all of a sudden the Bible says the baby leaped in her womb. Let me tell you something, you have leaping power. When you begin to speak, you cause things to leap. You begin to cause things to be transformed. God never intended your words to fall on deaf ears. You transform people. And, and God takes this pauper, this peasant girl, he takes this priest that was just going through the routines and he transformed both of them into powerful New Testament prophets and prophetess. When we come down to verse 57, it says Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. Everyone say it's time. It's time. It's your time. Praise God. It's your time. Do you know what? Pregnancy doesn't happen overnight. There's a conception, there's a pregnancy, there's a laboring, and then there's a birthing. Her time had come. Some of you have been in conception. Some of you have been in the waiting time. Now some of you are in the laboring, and you're saying, what's wrong with me? You're nothing wrong with you. You're about ready to give birth to something. This is not just some Christmas story. It is a prophetic revelation of what God wants to do to the church. It was not just historical. It's not just for back then. It's for now. These people, listen, jump down with me. Notice what it says, verse 67, about Zechariah. It says, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. That is the first mention. I thought that nobody was filled until Acts chapter 2. My Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit before Acts chapter 2. And so was Mary. And so was Elizabeth. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But notice it says their time had come. And when their neighbors and their relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Let me tell you what God's doing in your life is going to bring great joy. Athea, I'm going to just say right now, you've been walking through some stuff in your body. We've been praying and agreeing with you. Let me tell you, you're going to bring such joy to people. Let me tell you, your pain has a purpose. There is no pain that you're walking through. Every woman, every woman, Jesus said, when she gives birth, she forgets her labor. But here's the thing. You can't have birth without labor because you never appreciate what you You'll never appreciate it. You'll never understand it. Only a woman, only a woman. Men, we don't, we don't get this. Only women understand labor. Only women can interpret that. There's a prophetic revelation. You know, sometimes it really kind of upsets me when I hear men say, you know, these women, they're just kind of emotional. Boy, that's, that's a really sad understanding of why God made women the way that he did. Women are, I call them walking radar. These women are intuitive. They have insight. And any man who does not listen to his wife is hurting himself. My wife hears and sees things by revelation because of what she is and how she's made and what she's walked through. Ray would be so stupid not to hear her heart. 
We're, it's not, a, I, it's not, well, Ray, you're the head of the house. No, no, that's not the purpose. That's the role God places me, and that doesn't mean I'm more superior. It mean, doesn't mean she's inferior. We are a team. We need each other. And the devil wants only one thing is to divide and conquer. And the only thing that keeps people divided is pride. It's pride. No, no, pastor, it's hurt. It's pain. No, it's pride. Pride keeps you from saying, you know what? Please forgive me. Pride says, I can't forget. Pride says, I won't forget. Guess what? You're stuck then. You've opened the door of hell to be unleashed on you until mercy is shown. That's why here we find that when God didn't shut Zachariah's mouth to keep him out of the picture. No, God was opening his ears and opening his eyes because all of a sudden, when notice down here, this is amazing. In verse 59, it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and they would have named him by the name of his father. Notice the name. Everyone say the name. God wants you to begin to proclaim and pronounce the name. Because the name determines destiny. The name determines character. The name. Do you know that you're, you're to begin to name your days? You're to number your days and you're to name your day. What kind of day is this? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad. What did you do? You just sent a message to the powers of darkness that no weapon formed against me will prosper because this is the day. I am calling the day. I'm naming the day. I'm calling it for what it is. And you know what? No weapon can touch you. Oh, there will be enemies. There will be attacks. There will be assaults. There will be insults. People will say things. They will lie about you. Oh, they will twist things around you. They will manipulate things because there's a powerful darkness upon them. But you know what? You come through it. You will come through it. And you will walk with your head high and that will not intimidate. And so what happens here in this passage is they're confused and the mother answers and says, no. Everyone say no. no. May God give us the strength to say no. No to what? Tradition. That's not the tradition, Elizabeth. You know, we, we need to carry the family. Let me, let me tell you something. When my wife and I heard from the Lord 27 years ago to move from Portland to Dallas, Texas, I will never forget my grandmother. A godly woman, loves God. They were in the Assembly of God pastors for years. But my grandmother said, what in the world do you got to go to Texas for? What's that? What, can't you pastor a church up here in Portland, Hood River, so we can keep our grandkids? Or I said, Grandma, it's not about, I'm not leaving you for just leaving you. God's taken me to Texas. I know it's kind of like Abraham. We're going into a strange land. We're going but not knowing. Yeah. Hebrews 11, Abraham was going but not knowing where he went. I didn't have an answer that was good enough for some of my family members. And what are you going to Texas? Because we've had the confirmation of three or four prophetic, the confirmation of our senior pastor who were in covenant relationship. We had the what confirmation of other outside ministries. That did. I didn't go on a whim. We waited for four months before we made the decision, men. And God confirmed time and time and time again. 
It was not some simple prayer of going out and buying a loaf of bread. It was a season. But I had to say no to family members who were against the move. Do you know when you begin to move in God, you're going to have to learn to say no to some of your friends and some of your family. And if, if you are so tied to family, in fact, Abraham, Genesis 12, it said to Abraham, God told him to get out of your country, away from your kindred and your tribe and your family. That's not, that's not that God's into separating family. What he was trying to do, he says, Abraham, I want to do something that's much larger than the traditions of your family. And I need you to follow me. I'm going to teach you to hear my voice in a much clearer, perfect way. And so God brings him out into a strange land. And for years, the Bible says Abraham wandered looking for a city, Hebrews 11. But we find here, he said that she said, no, his name shall be called John. And they said to her, no one among you, your relatives are called by that name. So they made signs to their father. By the way, in the Greek here, Zechariah was not just that he couldn't speak. It also means he could not hear. Couldn't speak and couldn't hear with his natural ears. But that doesn't mean he wasn't hearing in his heart. Many scholars uh, believe that he, because when they asked him uh, to write down, and he wrote down, his name shall be John, so they marveled. Immediately his mouth was open. Notice this, when he began to speak and prophesy the will of God, things were loosed. Everyone say loosed. How many of you didn't believe God wants to loose some things in your life? Some of us need a financial loosening, physical loosening. God needs to bring some loosening from the fears and the traditions or maybe certain things that we're tied to. And it says, he was loosed and his tongue began to speak. And the first thing he does, thank you, Lord, I'm praising you. He says, he begins to praise the Lord. See, people that are loosed don't have a problem praising the Lord. They stand up with faith and prayer. Because I was created for praise. Do you know the Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. There's something about praise that pleases him. God inhabits, not the silence, not the ministry. He inhabits the praise. How many of you want God to inhabit your home? I'll never forget I'll never forget this. I've said it before, but I remember my dad and mom were having kind of a big argument one day. My brother and I were sitting there kind of startled and stuck, stuck and we're just seeing this. All of a sudden, my mother falls on her knees. And my dad said, what are you doing? Because the darkness was in the home. She started praising the Lord right in the middle of the battle. Do you know what happened? I was a teenager. I will never forget this. The oppression and the divisiveness and the anger stopped and peace came right into that living room. I will never forget that. You may say, well, Pastor Ray, I mean, can you actually move from an argument where you're cursing and slamming and hating each other right into praise? Yes. You can do that. Well, I kind of thought we needed kind of three-week sabbatical and just kind of take time off and go into silence and do some penance, you know, and okay. Now I think I'm worthy today to worship God. Man, that is such a lie from the enemy. 
But some of us think, well, no, 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 no way. Well, we can't just worship God like that. We, we kind of got to work into our good standing. Well, we, we got to kind of work it in because, you know, you have such a track. Do you know what? Some of us, we keep more focus on the track record of what people have done bad to us instead of what Jesus has done on the cross. I do not want to keep a track record on what people do bad to me. That holds me in that place and I never come into victory. You'll never come into your potential until you can forgive and you can believe and you can empower people and see them the way God sees them instead of through a negative, narrow-minded, small-minded, negative kind of mindset. I never want... I, I, the Lord spoke to me so clearly just recently. He says, Ray, speak life over everybody. Do not speak death. Do not complain. Now, that doesn't mean we don't correct and deal with things. The Bible even says to rebuke them sharply in the faith that they be sound in sound doctrine. There's a time for that. There's a place. But we still do it in the spirit of love. But here, what he says, I love this. Then the fear came upon all who dwelt around them. And these sayings were discussed throughout all the country of Judah, Judea. And all those who heard it kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Notice how it changed and affected the culture. Abraham, Abraham Zachariah, and Elizabeth, simply because of a name, that was professed. It, it startled them. How many of you are ready to shake some things up? God wants you to realize that you're salt and you're light. And he's called us to shake some things up. In closing, I, I got to read this prophecy. Then his father, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to say, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited his, and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father Abraham, to grant us that we would be delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Then Zechariah turns to his son. Every father, raise your hand. You're called to be a prophet to your kids. Listen to what Zechariah says. And you, child, shall be a called a doctor or a carpenter or a janitor. You will go for a four-year education. Now, I'm not against these things. What? I, I'm mocking this. He says, you're going to be a prophet. By the way, nothing wrong with being a carpenter, a dentist, nothing wrong with teaching, nothing wrong with all of those uh, airplane pilots. You can, we, can, we need to uh, impact our world. But I want you to know, I want to help my kids understand that spiritual calling on their life. And that spiritual calling does impact the natural abilities they have, whether they go into education, trades, whatever. God wants us to impact. It's not just in the church. He wants us to impact our world. But he says, you will be called the prophet of the highest and you will go before the face of the Lord, prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, 
with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child, I love this, the child grew. I want my, child, my children to grow and became strong, not in head, not in gifts, but in spirit. How many of you want your kids to be strong in spirit? I got to be strong in spirit. Number one, speak up. Number two, get a vision for your life. Number three, allow the Holy Spirit to elevate. Everyone say elevate. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to elevate my vision in life so that I can be a powerful influence and live with divine expectation. I'm called to be an elevated believer that sees things from an elevated view. I'm not seeing things through my natural eyes or my emotions or my feelings or my offenses. I'm seeing things from a different viewpoint. That is kingdom culture. That's kingdom culture. Zechariah, this boring priest, turns into be an amazing prophet of God that prophesies the word of the Lord over his son that will transform the entire nation. Do you see yourself doing that? I see it. I see all of you with the keys of the kingdom. I wish I had my keys. I just, keys open doors and they lock doors. You have authority to open things and you need to also lock things out. I'm going to keep a negative spirit out of my house. I'm going to keep unbelief out of my house. I'm not going to hold an evil report. I will not allow an evil report against a brother in my life or in my life. I will speak only those things. I will think on those things which are good and profitable. And I will think on those things which are right and just and holy and true. And if there be any praise, those are the way I'm going to govern my thoughts. Because I am going to arise and shine because the glory of the Lord has risen upon me. Let me tell you, you determine what door you open. You determine if you live under a curse or under the blessing. Let me tell you, many times we curse our blessings because of the words that come out of our mouth. You cannot be blessed until you begin to bless those who curse you. Stop cursing yourself. Stop cursing your past. Stop cursing your neighbor. Stop cursing your husband. Stop cursing your wife. Stop cursing Donald Trump. Stop cursing the Democrats. Stop cursing everybody. Start blessing. Start praying. Start elevating. Start believing. Becoming salt and light in your world because let me tell you, people are transformed by love. They're transformed by vision. They're transformed by faith. They're transformed by hope. They're transformed by people who actually believe in them. But if we sit there and say nothing, we die. Well, pastor, you're too emotional. I know. I'm not trying to be emotional. I just have caught. I have been seeing things. I want to tell you right now that actually scare me. I'm not even free to share some of these right now, but I'm going to share some things later on because I believe God wants to take us in not just levels. Some of those levels are dangerous. Some of those levels are areas where God wants to, trust, wants to entrust us with. But unless we begin with some disciplines in our own personal life, starting with our thought life, starting with our mouth, starting with our walk, and starting with the way we treat each other. Until the church stops becoming divided and unified, we will not make an impact out there. Let me tell you what's out there. There's people that are going to throw stones at you. 
They're going to burn you to the stake. They're going to curse you. They're going to speak all manner of evil. And if you're defensive and insecure and you're not strong, you won't change your culture. If you can't bless those that hate you and curse you, the Bible says you're not even a child of God. Read it. Matthew chapter 5, 48, 46 through 49. He said, if you pray and bless those that curse you and persecute, then you will be a child of your Father in heaven. Read it. It's not Ray's opinion. That's, that's, the, that's kingdom culture. Praise God. Everyone say, arise. Shine. The glory of the Lord is on me. And I'm taking it to the world. Praise God. Bow your heads. Bow your heads. Maybe this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor Ray, I know that this is about, this is a, a word of transition. What happens when God shows up? God is showing up right now. He is speaking a word of resurrection. Some of us have been living, we've been stuck, stale, and we've allowed lies of the enemy to hold us back and far below our fullest and greatest potential. The word of the Lord sometimes comes like it did with Mary and Zechariah. It troubled them. Begin to open their eyes. Maybe there are some things in their hearts that, that they didn't even know they had, but God was gracious to them. He loved them. He cared for them. And maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I, I know God wants to do something because it needs to be transformed in me so I can begin to pass it on to my children and to my friends and my coworkers and my employees. Some of you are in working situations where the enemy has used your employers or maybe employees, other uh, fellow employees, to just kind of put you in a place where you feel so constrained and restricted. I'm going to tell you something. God has you right where you're at to let you shine in a very dark place. He hasn't forgotten you. He never forgets you. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says. Man, we, we serve an awesome Savior. We serve an awesome God. He loves and cares for us so much. Can you say amen? amen. I'm going to ask you this morning. Anyone may say, Pastor Ray, I want an encounter with God. I need that encounter right now. I want that encounter where I begins to take me to new levels. God has showed me things, and I've allowed things in my life to just hold me back. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, see your hand. I've allowed things. I've allowed the enemy. Maybe even, even people. I see your hands. Keep your hands up. I wanna, I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. Amen. It's a new day. We're going to name the day. This day. This day is the day the Lord hath made. What does that mean? He made it. He allowed it. Everything that's come against me in my life, against my life, he allowed it. He made it. He's allowing things that I can rise above it. It's not intended to stop, kill, destroy, or hurt, or hinder me. It's intended to be a stepping stone. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for an impartation. We speak an anointing right now to break every yoke, to break every lie. Father, we speak life over them, Lord. We pray for an enlargement to enlarge their hearts. Lord, you've, breaking us, you've broken us out of the box, out of box thinking. You've taken us from darkness into light. You've taken us from the norm into the extraordinary. You've brought us from sickness and disease and lack into prosperity, into power, and into dominion, and into a place where we rule and reign over these things. Father, we pray right now that healing like a river would begin to flow through us. Faith would begin to build. Our lives would begin to take hold and grasp what you're saying and what you're doing in Jesus' name. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, that this is a fresh day, a cultural change, first in me, and then around those, around those that you bring into my life, in Jesus' name. Can everyone say? Amen. Amen. I want you all to stand to your feet. Do one thing with me this morning. I want you all to stand up and say, Jesus lives. Jesus lives. He lives. And he loves you. He lives. And I want you to realize you're free. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. Get a hold of your vision. Take a hold of it. God's with you. Amen? Turn to someone, give them a hug. Be blessed in Jesus' name. We're going to continue this next week. Amen. Amen.